Good morning. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together, book by book, chapter by chapter. And it's a good thing we're reading these couple of chapters here in Joshua together because we look at these in Joshua chapter 20 and Joshua chapter 21, and we're thinking to ourselves, hang on, what, what is this um, you know, avenger of blood and this judgment in the gates and uh, this, you know, idea that there's some kind of uh, all bets are off kind of situation once the high priest dies. What's going on? This is stuff that, if you recall from numbers, this is stuff that was set up back then, and it's all getting fleshed out right now. So it's, from our perspective, kind of a strange legal situation. But when you look at it here, I mean, I think it, it's a really nice balance, and we're seeing the other side to it. These aren't just tribes. This isn't just this kind of tribalism of like, okay, our family here, our their family there. There are some bigger things than just family ties going on here, and those things tell us about God. So good stuff today, and we have in the studio as our guest today, we've got Pastor John Shank, pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Edwardsville, Illinois. Thanks for making the drive over to the studio. Good morning. Good to have you, brother. Can you hear me? There we go. Oh, I can. There we go. <laughs> there we morning, go. <laughs> you, weren't, you weren't coming through. But. <laughs> All right. It's out. Good morning. How's it going? Good. Good. A little bit of a rainy day, but uh, uh, but it beats snow, so we're we're not going to complain. Beats snow and ice, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Certainly. So yeah. So here in Joshua chapter twenty. The, the land has been all divided up, right? We went through, you know, we went through the big the big chunks with um, Joseph and Judah. We went with the smaller chunks all the way from Benjamin, all the way through Dan. You know, there was those uh, special allowances made for, for Caleb and Joshua along the way. And all right, it's all done. Oh, no, no, wait. We had to do the cities of refuge. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it might seem to us like, hey, aren't we done splitting things up? But this this cannot be left out. It's presented as uh, an essential part of the process of of the legacy that Joshua is leaving the Israelites. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're right on, and and that in in the understanding that Joshua's role is to take up um, and to uh, work out with the people of Israel what God had already promised and commanded through his his. Um, his prophet Moses. Uh, so these things have already been foretold in uh, in the Torah. So um, the people should have uh, known that this was going to be the case, and this is what they were going to need to do as an unfolding now of uh, their lives together um, as they've come into the land, as they have um, fought in the land, and 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 as God has given them victory. Now, as they're living out their lives together, uh, these places um, in which God has already told them they, they needed to have um, are now then instituted. Right. Yeah, there's there's no surprises here. This isn't like, now, hang on a second. Whoops, we, <laughs> we, 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 we kind of, you know, we divvied up too many of the cities. We got to take some of them back here, right? Uh, it's not like that. It's just as you were saying. This is this is something that goes all the way back to what was it, like numbers, like thirty was it like thirty five or something? Correct. Um, so yeah, it goes all the way back to Moses. This was yeah. This this kind of reminds me too of um you know how back at the beginning of Joshua, how did Joshua start out? Right. It was like, hey Reuben, remember that oath you swore to Moses? Right. Oh, I'm I'm calling that in. Right. So same same thing here. Right. This is hey this stuff goes all the way back to Moses. And yeah, everything is going to take place as God 
has laid it out through his prophets. So we are just um, taking care of business. No surprises here, really. But it is interesting when when this is all spelled out. There's a, there's a couple of things I, I find in here that are helpful, just clarifications. You're kind of like, oh, oh, okay. That's what was going on with that city. Got it, right? So there's there's a few things like that that are, that are helpful that maybe maybe we can answer some lingering questions that sure. we've had along along the way. So looking forward to reading it. Short little chapter here, only nine verses. So we'll be able to take our time and get into some of these details here. So good stuff for today's episode. Would you, as we get started say a prayer for us and for everyone listening along today. Yes, let us pray. Almighty God, you supply for the needs of your people a place of refuge in the very person of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Call your people to flee to him and to abide in him, for in Christ we are kept under the safety of his forgiveness, for he lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. All right. That was okay. Coming in a little hot there. Okay. Let's go ahead and get started. All right. Very good. Uh, we have, let's see, let's just go ahead and read maybe, um, goodness, just a couple of verses here. Okay. Sure. Maybe just like the first three verses and that'll, that'll be enough so that we can kind of, okay. You know, what, what did, what did God say back in numbers 35 again, and kind of, um, connect the dots here for us. So here's just the first three verses here of Joshua chapter 20. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Say to the people of Israel, Appoint the cities of refuge of which I spoke to you through Moses, that the manslayer who strikes any person without intent or unknowingly may flee there. They shall be for you a refuge from the avenger of blood. Okay, so uh, a few key terms, right, that have just kind of popped up already. You know, we have, first of all, the and this is the the heading that the ESV helpfully puts there cities of refuge okay so there there's kind of one key term there um, the next bit right the manslayer you know who who strikes any person without intent or unknowingly okay and then and then the third bit here um, the avenger of blood so these are these are all things that as we were saying well these are all kind of familiar if you've been following along and we talked about these things in numbers. But uh, if you're just kind of reading this fresh, you know, you started with Joshua, right? All of a sudden, this is the first time I think any of these terms have come up in the book of Joshua. Yeah. So you might be like scratching your head saying, hang on, what? Yeah. And I think even maybe one step before that, I think even verse one is kind of helpful too, because I think in the structure, it's kind of interesting in my mind to see it, you know, structure things in in the books uh, of God's word. And so here it starts off by saying, then the Lord said to Joshua, and I think that I think that is marking off something new and something different, something distinct, because you had been, like you said, laying out all the plotting of the the map, right? For the for right. all the clans and, and everything. So you know, it seems like a lot of a lot of commentators place this within that same structure because you still because then you still have 21 and you're still then breaking out cities and and you've got the right. levites to deal with um and this is part of uh the levitical cities uh but uh um, right. it definitely is something new and so the the fact that god intervenes here that the lord speaks to joshua and he says um something distinct about their life together. So it, right. it's like they're plotting everything out and now your life together. And then in this life together, as you rightfully said, there are some, 
there are now some definitions that we should probably deal with. There are some, um, uh, what does this mean? Good questions about uh, the pointing of of a city of refuge, like you said, a refuge of manslayer and then um, the avenger of of blood. And, right, right, and, and it's all. I was going to say, like, you're, I think you're right that you know we, we shouldn't be so quick to to pass over the introduction, right? Because yeah, it, it is just you know the, the Lord said it's sort of. I mean, we saw it back in say like Numbers, right? That that was a phrase that happened left and right, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but. But here in Joshua, we actually haven't seen it as many times, which is not to say that, you know, the Lord was directing Joshua any less or that um, Joshua was spending any less time um, in the tent of meeting than Moses, though, I mean, one might suppose that, in fact, it may have been the case since he spent presumably so much more time on the battlefield, <laughs> it would right. seem, than Moses. But, uh, right, you know, I mean, we uh, the last time that we had this kind of the, the Lord said um to him was was actually was back in uh chapter was it 14 i think it was 13 or 14 where yeah i think it was actually it was actually 13 where we remember it was back when um you know they, they'd kind of they're reviewing like all the kings that had been defeated right and then so you know god speaks to him and says hey look you're old you're not gonna be able to conquer all this stuff it's you need to just divvy this stuff up right now Right. So you're right. That Which is, a, it, you know, chapter 13 is a marker of division, too, than, yeah, than yeah. all the dividing of the land. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that that's right. I mean, it really does. You, you could just kind of actually divide the entire book like into like three phases like that if, if you wanted to. And that wouldn't actually be a bad way of doing that. that mm-hmm. You know, the, the first 12 chapters are really kind of focusing on the actual like battles and conquest and fighting. Right. Um, and then, you know, 13 to 19 is about, you know, the inheritance of each of these 12 tribes, right? So much emphasis just on the inheritance, as we've seen. So important, you know, the land, it's it's not just, you know, dirt, right? It's it's this fulfillment of God's view of creation. That was what we saw back in chapter 18. And, and then, you know, through the end of the book here, because these, these are the last uh, five chapters now, it, it's kind of wrapping things up, tidying up. Uh, loose ends. So that that's not a bad way to just kind of outline the text uh, to your point. Um, and it's actually grounded in what's actually written in, in the Hebrew itself. Yeah. And then that makes us connect, I think, then to the covenantal promise that he has made, which then hopefully can then make more sense to um, us and all of God's people, why it's so offensive even when accidental shedding of blood is happening. Um, right, right. So yeah, that's 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 a good point. So connecting um, connecting it that way, I mean, this is a, a big topic. It's an important one. It's not just like, you know, the last five chapters are just kind of the kind of random things <laughs> that aren't very significant. I mean, it's, it's really kind of the opposite. It's like, right. and these are the re- other really, really important things. Um, so important that Joshua needs to deal with them directly, right? While, while he's still like with us. Right. Um, and we're not just going to like, let this stuff just fall by the wayside and, you know, go and let that be dealt with during the period of the judges. Like, Oh no, no, we're, we're going to sort this stuff out right now. So, yeah. So let's, let's take a look at that at these, at these big items that need to get sorted out. So, so yeah, uh, cities of refuge, manslayer and Avenger of blood, all terms that, that were, discussed more thoroughly back in Numbers 35 with Joshua, right? Right, right, correct. So, um, I mean, we, if you want, um, we can take a look at that now, or do you want, uh, how would you like to 
to uh, handle yeah, numbers. Yeah, if you've got, if you got a little, if you've got a little chunk that you want to read out from number thirty-five to refresh our memories, that's that's totally fine. Sure, or to we go. could do it uh, kind of overview-wise too, as well. Okay, yeah, um, sure. So as we have number thirty-five, um, these cities of refuge are are mentioned in. Um, kind of in correlation with the cities uh, of the Levites. So we have the the Levites, which you'll be dealing with uh, in the next chapter, and then understanding within that fact that these Levites have the cities, then um, there will be a segmenting of uh, three cities on the east, three cities on the west, and these cities are set apart for a distinction. Um, uh this is to understand that God in his mercy uh, um, is is laying out a provision for a place of refuge for those who have caused um, accidental, unintentional deaths of someone. Um, and then in um, even going back before uh, or going forward to, uh, to Deuteronomy, um, we have the laying out of Deuteronomy 19.5, where examples are given. So Deuteronomy 19.5, there is an example of two neighbors going out into the, into the forest, and they're chopping down wood. So as they're going about their work, chopping down this wood, if upon swinging the axe the head of the axe comes off and it strikes the companion, right? They're not right. doing this in anger. There's no malice, no. no evil intent, even to the point of there wasn't any hatred between between the one who accidentally caused this with the other one. So there, was, there should be no kind of uh, misconception about false motives, right? right? There wasn't any kind of sawing of the axe handle before. I'm going to make this look like an accident, uh, but everybody knows that I've hated this person my whole life, right? So even that is drawn in uh, to these texts, right, that the person can't even have hated the person in the past or have this kind of inner hatred of this person. It's kind of plays a factor in it too. So well, that's kind of well, interesting. Right. Right. Yeah, no, and that's, and that's a good point because this does speak to, and we talked about this when we looked at Numbers uh, 30, 35, that yeah, this speaks to the Hebrew conception of the word murder. Um, and so when you're looking, you know, even all the way back to, like, say, the Ten Commandments, and it's like, you shall not murder, right? This is one of these, you know, as I think some of our listeners might um, be familiar with translations that say you shall not kill or maybe even familiar with a time when uh, our catechism edition like had you shall not kill right or thou shalt not kill right um and and there's kind of always when you kind of think about this there's this kind of uneasiness that's right now hang on a second right so is the death penalty okay is is war okay right and so so what 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 is murder what isn't um and it's and it's your point the hebrew definition of the word right which is not to say even that I mean, I don't know. Like, if it fits this description, it's it's bad, and everything else is fine and dandy. Not necessarily, right? It's just that this is in the Hebrew legal tradition what constitutes murder, right? Right. It's it's as you said, striking someone in anger, um, and that that leads to their death, right? And right. it's not necessarily that you were trying to kill them, but you were trying to hurt them, um, and then the death was what resulted. And it's just to your point there, right? Well, how do you how do you know if the person was angry with the other person, right? How do you know that they wanted to hurt them, right? Well, 
I mean, so that's just the thing. So you use external evidence to get at what might have been that internal motive. And so, um, you know, obviously, if there was just anything on the looks of it, that kind of was obviously like, well, he was like screaming and chasing him down. Um, So it seemed like, yeah, he wanted to hurt him, right? So okay, that would have been like an obvious call. But then as you said, you know, maybe there's these things where it's like, there wasn't a witness or like, you know, it was unclear what on earth happened, right? It was a freak accident. Well, you would go instead then by like, well, their history, like, okay, this guy has been this guy's enemy his whole life. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And it just happens that uh, he, he dies at his hands now, you know? So, so right. That, that idea being that, you know, you can go by kind of some of the externals as a way of just, you know, judiciously kind of getting at these things. No one can like measure like the, the hatred of the heart or something, right? We don't no. have right. only God sees the heart, but we we can go off of like, oh yeah, no, this guy's been bad mouthing this guy since like since as long as I can remember. So you can go off of those external things, and that, that kind of gets, I think, to the idea that in Hebrew, in fact, the word hatred it kind of has a little bit more of like an, an external objective sense of actually kind of just being at odds with someone, and yeah. that would play a factor, of course, in the trial that would ensue and then right. the evidence is that the um the avenger of blood would probably bring to the forefront um but to to not cause um any offense to to god's people thinking that our lord is um you know calling out some kind of uh, barbaric treatment of each other uh, let me let me just read uh, numbers um 35 verse uh 30 so that we can we can understand that there is um, is some right. clarity here, right? So, um, so here it talks about um, the uh, the actual killing of a person who has committed murder. So, verse thirty: right. If someone kills a person, the murderer shall be put to death on the evidence of witnesses. So, <laughs> um, and then, but no person shall be put to death on the testimony of one witness. Right. So there, this is not just to be uh, barbaric and without um, uh, listening to what is actually going on. There is obviously, and we'll talk about it, a provision of the Avenger of Blood and and what this uh, what this all means and what is it about. Um, but um, so that we can kind of understand a little bit more. Uh, the fact that this is not just to be arbitrary, um, and then there is a system of governance that's being put into place with these cities of refuge too. Right. Well, yeah, and that's that's well said. And you know, yeah, that is really something that's actually kind of remarkable when you do look at that in numbers. Yeah. So you have this term, the the avenger of blood, and it, it's interesting because that's the thing that doesn't seem to need any explanation at all in the Bible, right? Like it doesn't, it doesn't really even need to spell out anywhere. Okay. So this is, you know, this is who the Avenger of blood is, and this is his job description, right? It's just kind of assumed. Uh, And that's, I think, because in the broader context, um, in, in that, in that culture, and in really the cultures of that whole era and uh, region, it was just kind of assumed that, yeah, you know what, if someone like kills your brother, right, wrongfully, it's, it's kind of on you, and your family uh, to go and put this guy to justice. That, I mean, there wasn't like some like, you know, police force necessarily, right? That was going to go and like round up the perpetrators, right? I mean, there, there it wasn't that kind of situation. 
So um, in that in that vein, it would that was just kind of the given that right. everyone would have kind of gone with. And so here is God, as you were saying, coming and actually putting a limit to this and yeah. saying, hey, look, I know you guys do this whole Avenger of blood thing. OK, and yeah, you don't have a police force. So that makes sense on a certain level. But you can't just go off and just say like, oh, well, you know, he killed my my cousin or my brother or whatever. Like there's going to be some limits. There's going to be some restrictions. There's got to be evidence. There's got to be witnesses. I mean, so, I mean, this is really God inserting himself to put limits on the bloodthirstiness of mankind uh, rather than sort of like mandating that like, oh, this, this, you, you, you gotta, you gotta kill this guy. And everyone's like, what really? Well, we didn't want to kill him. <laughs> no, no, no. This is God limiting what they already wanted to do. Right. And um, I, I think it's really good that you brought out the sense of uh, police force. Cause you know, now in our governmental structure, uh, we would call the police, they'd be investigation. There is no uh, police force. There's no yeah. call right. the sheriff. Right. Right. And it's not, and I guess another thing that should be understood, not everyone was the Avenger of Blood uh, for this murderer, right? Or for this That's potential right. murderer, right? right? Just because you you came upon the scene, you might not, you know, if you're just a, um, a fellow citizen of a village, you might not, right. most likely you wouldn't have been the Avenger of Blood. Um, right. You might then have to bring this back. Obviously, there's, you know, a place to, uh, a role to play in loving your neighbor and, and all of that. But this specific role, you see it in different functionalities of a kinsman redeemer. Um, there mm-hmm. is a person, a next in line. There is a, exactly. and, and if that's going to fall to another person in line or to someone else that has to also be worked out within yep. within the uh I would hate to, I mean it's kind of weird to say governmental structure but the the societal structure of of yeah. the elders right yeah, well exactly the elders and, and and you have a good picture of that in Ruth actually right. where where there is a, a right of being the kinsman redeemer right um and and it's good that you make the connection because as we made the connection back in Numbers 35, the word, you know, for avenger of blood, that that's the redeemer, right? That's, that's, that's the family's redeemer because there is this sense where they kind of redeem um, the family that has suffered this injustice. So it, it's really connected, like it's all for them, it's kind of all part of the same um, idea of kind of righting a wrong and re- bringing restoration um, to a family. And so you see this in Ruth where, yeah, there's someone who has the right to be the kinsman redeemer and um, you know marry Ruth if if they wanted to execute that right. But then they, I mean, isn't it? If I recall correctly, like doesn't like Boaz like exchange like sandals with the guy, and that's their way. Like he does that in, in the presence of the elders, and that's kind of that, that's their kind of particular way in that time and place and that city, right? Yeah. Of kind of sealing the deal, inking the contract, right? And he gets the right. Then you, 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 no one just gets to take it upon themselves to be like, well, I'm going to be the redeemer. Like, well, no, like you have to only very specific people and there's a sequence for this it it is um as you were saying um it it is you know not necessarily something that's worked out by the government but there is a legal tradition that is understood and witnessed by the elders yeah it's worked out orderly in good order publicly through their um elder structure which is i mean it's it's there's definitely connections that we can see in our lives and in our 
um, dealings with each other today within the structure of the church too. Yeah, yes, that's, a, that's actually a good point. So, right, so yeah, even though this isn't directly speaking to us, like, oh, hey, you know, go be an avenger of blood, right? And as you were saying, there's differences, like, okay, I mean, and for us, the avenger of blood is, I mean, practically speaking, the police, right? So there's differences, but uh, there there are some analogies, actually, uh, the, the, the shape and the pattern of this that we can get into. But first, we got to take our break. Everybody, hang on. We're looking at Joshua chapter 20 here on Thy Strong Word. We'll be right back. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 10 states, If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. Find this true wisdom in Christ on Sharper Iron every weekday morning at 8 a.m. here on Worldwide KFUO. Sharpen the iron of your faith together with two pastors as they take up the sword of the Spirit to proclaim the gifts of Christ crucified and risen for you. I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. The deadly coronavirus is sweeping Asia and other places. Is it proper for Christians to flee an epidemic? Lutheran Witness Managing Editor, the Reverend Roy Askins, served as the LCMS Witness and Communications Manager for the Asia region in Hong Kong. We discuss this issue at World Lutheran News Digest, heard Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and Saturday at 9.30 a.m. on Worldwide KFUO. Hi, I'm Pastor Mark Hawkinson, host of Moments of Assurance Worldwide KFUO. On the next Moments of Assurance weekend, I'm going to be talking about Jesus' parable of the sower. Some seed fell along the path. Some fell on the rock. Some fell among thorns, and some fell into good soil. So the parable gets you to ask yourself this question, what kind of soil am I? I'll talk about it this Saturday and Sunday morning, 7.45 a.m. Central Daylight Time, Worldwide KFUO. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Joshua chapter 20, the cities of refuge. Not an unimportant matter, but in fact, actually uh, big enough to really open the third and final section of Joshua here. We're joined today in the studio by our guest, Pastor John Schenk, pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Edwardsville, Illinois. And I want to make sure to invite our live listeners. If you are listening live, you have a question for us here, you know, like we we're talking about here. This this gets into a very different sort of legal situation, very different structure, but one that still has patterns uh, and maybe implications and analogies for our own lives today still. So if you have a question for me or Pastor Shank, you can give us a call at 1-800-730-2727, or if you're in St. Louis, 314 314- 8210850 or you can always send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. Also, we thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Thank you guys for your support. Their website is lhfmissions.org. All right. So, we were just 
we read the first three verses, the first three verses here, short chapter. So we're kind of taking our time a little bit, um, though we should probably press on pretty soon. Uh, yes. And we were just talking about, you know, this Avenger of Blood idea. It was something that uh, was well known broadly, uh, not just in Hebrew culture, but really would have been um, kind of all the uh, cultures really around there. But there were there were limits on this and there was a structure and God was um, structuring this. And like you were bringing up before, saying, hey, you, you got to have witnesses. There's got to be a trial, right? So, you know, there, there's these limits on this. And the big part of the city is a refuge, like kind of overlap, overarching idea is that, hey, look, if, if someone winds up in this situation, this terrible situation where like they've, you know, accidentally killed, you know, I mean, because think about this too, it would have been someone probably of their own um, tribe or even like, um, you know, like someone maybe even closer than that, right? So, you know, maybe a relative even. So they accidentally, you know, kill somebody. Well, what do, you, what do you do? You're like, oh, no. And people are looking for you, right? You go to the city of refuge. That doesn't mean you get off scot-free. It means that this is where we can have an orderly trial and make sure that justice is served and not just the passions of vengeance. Correct. Yeah, and they've got to—I <laughs> mean— um, the Lord is very clear in Numbers 35 that spilt blood, innocent blood, um, it does pollute the land. And right. the only thing uh, that is to be done in that situation is to atone for that with the blood of the one who shed it. So um, God takes that amazingly seriously, and, and we should too, it, that even... Um, even here, as we will work through, that God has something to say, even in the midst of accidentally shedding someone's blood, about how that affects this person, um, the person who accidentally did it. So, yeah, right. this this is a, a very serious topic because God, um, God is the creator of life. He 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 loves uh, life. He is the God of living, and uh, for us to carelessly. Um, affect somebody else's life so that they lose it even accidentally is to be taken amazingly seriously as it is in this chapter. Yeah, certainly. And, and we should, as you suggested, go ahead and maybe just read at least the next three yep. verses here because they speak to this, uh, this point about the blood even, right? And the idea of atonement, which we saw in number 35, but it, it comes back up here again. Let's just take a look at these next three verses here, four, five, and six. So again, speaking about this uh, avenger of blood taking refuge at one of these cities, verse four, he shall flee to one of these cities and shall stand at the entrance of the gate of the city and explain his case to the elders of that city. Then they shall take him into the city and give him a place and he shall remain with them. And if the avenger of blood pursues him, they shall not give up the manslayer into his hand because he struck his neighbor unknowingly and did not hate him in the past. And he shall remain in that city until he has stood before the congregation for judgment, until the death of him who is the high priest at the time. Then the manslayer may return to his own town and his own home, to the town from which he fled. Okay, so a lot of details here that go back uh, to Numbers 35. Um, kind, of, kind of a very kind of quick summary in some ways right. of that. Um, though it is interesting in the context of uh, Joshua, as we're going to see, maybe we can, we can save this for once we get to the actual cities. Once you look at which cities they are, and then you look at Numbers 21, or sorry, Joshua 21, you're like, oh, these cities, that's why. So, I mean, there's, there's kind of a little bit more to it than just kind of summarizing Numbers 35. But as you were saying, it, it is 
uh, pointing back to that there is this important idea of atonement. And just because it was accidental doesn't mean that you don't need atonement of some kind. Correct. And that the, even though it's, it's accidental, um, it is shedding of blood. Someone right. has died and that it is the provision that even in that situation, the avenger of blood is given the, the right to avenge that blood unless a person goes and seeks out refuge in some way, you know, sanctuary within that city. Um, right. and, and even there, it's, you know, I think um, I've heard, heard other people talk about this text and their minds immediately jump to, well, that, that'd be a great way to just kill somebody and get away with it. It's like, well, it's not that easy, right? It's, no, God is no. not trying to provide a provision for bad behavior where it's like, well, mm -mm. I'll just try and trick everybody, make it look like an accident, and all I have to do is just get to one of these cities and I'll be fine. Um, not really, uh, because you're going to have to stand before these men who aren't fools, Right? They're not fools. They're the elders, and we have to respect that they've had some experience in life. Just like you and I, if we hear a story um, about a, a situation, um, we're gonna we're gonna have some you know some suspicion about right. is this really true? Right? Is this that's really right. something that's happened? And and even so, they might let him into the city. They could they could turn Roy right there, knowing that this was you actually did it. We know this. <laughs> we know you. We know him. We know what happened. That's not for this, right? This city is not for that's that. Right. And they could turn him away. Um, though that's right. Though uh, if he's got a reasonable case, they're going to bring him in. That's their call to bring him in, give him sanctuary within the city, protect him, and then bring it to the the congregation, bring it to the assembly. And now there's right. going to be a judgment upon them. It, I mean, hearing this, it, I, um, my mind immediately jam, jumped to uh, Matthew 18, you know, that um, mm. there is evidence. You know, there has to be witnesses. There's going to be a trial, you know, and then, then the congregation, the assembly is going to play a factor on is this true or not. And um, right. there's going to be a judgment on the sin of this person. Right. Yeah, no, that's that, that's well said. I mean, it's and, and we're going to see in a, in a minute, too, once we read the second half, there's there's a, additional reasons why it would have been particularly difficult um, to just, you know, like uh, hoodwink these guys. Right. But um, as you were saying, you know, we, we see in this chapter, I think you mentioned that there's going to be, you know, three that are put on the Transjordan side and three on the Cisjordan, you know, uh, east and west. And so, I mean, you think about it, there's there's six places, right? And of course, um, I, I think if we go back to numbers, there was some provision that there would ultimately be nine. So, uh, you know, that's kind of an open question of like, well, is the idea perhaps that you know, once they were to fully, you know, possess, possess the land, there would have been more or something like that. So that that's, um, that's just kind of admittedly a, a little bit of a loose end. That's kind of an open question, at least as far as uh, I understand it. But uh, if you take six cities, right, and that's like, these are the only six spots, basically kind of like the only six courts, mm -hmm. right, in all of Israel that deal with this stuff. Well, uh, the elders at these six cities are going to get really good at that, right? I mean, like, they're going to be the ones who have seen it all and heard it all. 
right? You know, I mean, <laughs> you're, you're not gonna be able to be like, oh, well, it, it, it was like, you know, it was like this and like, uh, well, I mean, you know, it just happened to be that no one was there. And I mean, they're going to be like, uh-huh, right. We haven't heard that like 20 <laughs> times, right? I mean, so, I mean, it's, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, there, there, there's certainly a lot of practicality to the way it's been set up. Um, it makes a lot of sense, but, but yeah, just, um, you know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't skip over though, this idea of the, the pollution of the land, like you were saying, right. And, and the atonement, like, you know, th this is why I think in a lot of ways, this is so important because, okay, you inherit the land. Great. Here's this land. Right. But are you going to keep it? Like, are you going to, are you going to pollute it or are you going to keep it holy for right. the God who gave it to you? Right. I mean, this really follows so logically immediately afterwards okay here's the land but but how are you going to do it are you are you going to live in the land the way that god told you to i mean remember that's that's the context of the 10 commandments right like when you get when you get into this land this is how you're going to live or else right you're going to be the land's going to spit you back up right i mean like you're going to go out from the way you came that's the idea and so uh, that's why, even though it's kind of ambiguous here or or vague here anyway, because it doesn't go into all the details, that's why you have this additional mention of the death of the high priest, right? right. Like it's there, there's some additional. You don't, you don't just get off automatically um, when the high priest dies. The, the high priest's death is a, has a very special function here. Yeah, and if you so, yeah, it's a step maybe one half step back with the understanding that. Okay, let's kind of picture this trial. Everything goes the way of the accidental death. You know, right. they present their case and they say, "Yes, this was this was an accident." He's not right. going home. <laughs> no, not then, no. right? Nope. So even now, um, God, in His love for um, His creation and life, still is saying, "You know, you you need to be more careful in the ways in which you live and act." You know carelessly i mean one of the other examples is like you know dropping a stone and right. it kills somebody well don't right. do that right there's still going to be consequences for you if you're on your you know on a ledge and you're you know cleaning up your land and you're throwing stones over the ledge or something and something falls on someone yeah you're not going to die but you're going to have to stay in that city it's going to be somewhat I mean, it's not perfectly, but somewhat like prison in the sense that you're yep. not getting out. And if you leave the city and the avenger of death is there, they can still avenge that death outside the city yep. until until the death of the high priest. Exactly. And I, and I think that that's I think it's a fair analogy, right? Because, yeah, there was no again, there was no police force. There there was no prison system. Right. But but these are pretty much the analogs that, that we have today. There was no there was no prison, but there was exile. And that was your sentence, effectively right. exile. And that was a pretty steep sentence. Right. For, right. you know, a culture that was just uh, so built around, you know, family and tribal and identity and place, right? You know, the, the deep roots and connections to a particular place to, to be this exile who has to live for who knows how many years, right? Away from family and all the rest. I mean, that that was a pretty steep uh, punishment. But it's as you said, it's, it's because it's death. You know, the innocent blood has been shed. That's a serious problem, even if it was an accident. It's not like, oh, well, it was an accident, so it's okay. God doesn't say like, ah, oh, well, let's just pretend it's okay. God calls a spade a spade and acknowledges 
the uh, the difficulty or the uh, the the, re the real problem that it that it truly is, um, even circumstances notwithstanding. Yeah, yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, there's just a there is a a lot there. We actually, uh, I don't I don't know if you uh, saw that we do have a, a question that came. Well, yes, in. we we do, and and I think this gets back to what you were saying about kind of how this is all worked out by by the elders. Um, and the, and the question is basically like, you know, so, so here you see in this time in place, they, they worked things out by kind of a consensus of like the elders of a particular city. Right. And actually I was just about to, uh, to bring this up the, the whole idea of exile, right. Because there was no prison kind of speaks to the reason why these, um, these, I guess these courts basically were in the city gates. Right. Because one of the, I mean, ba basic uh, modes of recourse for punishing somebody was to throw them out of the city, right? So it makes sense that a lot of these things would be at the gates, or, or of course, you might be deciding whether or not they can stay in the city, right? So have, having these courts like in the gates, it just, it made sense. It was kind of sort of practical. But so the question here is like, okay, does this kind of like, you know, consensus of the elders idea, um, is that something that should be a model for us, right? Like that instead of, you know, having uh, an executive, uh, whether that be a, uh, a pastor um, at, at a particular church or, you know, even like a president over like a synod, uh, should there rather instead be like, a, you know, instead of a, that kind of structure where there's kind of one single man who is the executive at a place, there be a, a situation where there's going to be multiple elders. So, uh yeah, Pastor I, Shank, I'll let you. I'll let you sure, take the first sure. stab at that. Sure, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the the question presupposes uh, that that is our our structure. That um, normal structure is that the uh, the pastor is over the board of elders, um, and that the pastor in the LCMS, um, the board of elders, is sub, uh, subordinate to the elders, or, or the elders are subordinate to the pastor. And that's really, it's not really my experience. Um, my elders are not subordinate to me, um, but we are called to, to work together. Now there are things that I'm called to, uh, as pastor, to be um, responsible for. And there are people that I'm called to be responsible for that is distinct from the board of elders, which is um, the the care of souls, right? So I'm responsible for their care and I'm, I am to oversee the mysteries of God, word and sacrament. Now, in this case, in this, this situation, um, for the LCMS, uh, I, I would have no role within a punishment structure of someone who had ever committed murder or anything like that. We have clear distinctions of what is the church and what is the role of the church in working out um, sin and grace, uh, but there is never, the church is never uh, given the authority of punishment. Now, so there's such a distinction between the people of Israel and their theocracy and our church. So I, I want to make that clear. And then within the, right. the structure, I, I've never been in a, a church in which um, the pastor 
is in full control and everyone sits <laughs> under a structure. Trust me, I have been disagreed with um, when it comes to what I think should happen in a in a uh, very much. This isn't a thus saith the Lord. I might have an opinion. I might have a strong opinion, but the church has said, I disagree with that opinion and we're doing this instead. And I've had to live with those consequences or those um, those understandings that I don't have any more rights than anyone else because I'm just then a member of the congregation when it's not a clear yeah. thus day at the Lord. Yeah, well, see, and that's, I think, kind of getting to, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate you kind of working through that and kind of sharing the the kind of struggle of, uh, I mean, it is because it's kind of a struggle to articulate, I think, in some ways that, right, there, there's this kind of tension where on the one hand, the pastor is really just a mouthpiece, right? I mean, the, the pastor himself is not like the guy who's in charge because like, oh, well, I mean, like he's like so wise or he's like the expert, right? I mean, the pastor has to decide on things very often that, uh, I mean, he's he's ultimately not the expert in, right? I mean, like there could be someone else in the congregation who, you know, is, uh, well, they're, they're much more of an expert, say, I don't know, just say like sound equipment, Right. Um, but it's the pastor who's in the situation where he has to make the call at the end of the day, right? So it's not as if the pastor is like, humanly speaking, kind of like the the chief executive officer of like the congregation, right? And, and it's sort of the really the same thing even on the synod level. It's it's not like you know we're talking about CEOs, but uh, on the other hand, right? Uh, if the pastor is speaking for the Lord Jesus, well, see. The Lord Jesus is actually the executive who's in charge of the church and of the synod. So, I mean, so that's, I think, kind of the tension that you were speaking to, because, mm -hmm. you know, if, if the pastor is the one who's speaking for the Lord, right, um, and we're, you know, we're in some kind of situation where you know, the pastor's like, okay, no, look, like, I, I've studied the scriptures, you know, yeah, maybe there's not, like, a particular Bible verse that explains exactly this, because wouldn't you know it, right? there's nothing in the Bible about the sound equipment, right? <laughs> like not, not explicitly. Uh, but, you know, it could be that, you know, just if you take a look at our doctrine, if you take a look at these, these themes in scripture, I, I can tell you pretty clearly uh, what the Lord teaches throughout this, right? And say, this is what needs to be done. So th that's kind of the tension, right? That, you know, and so I, I think the question's a good one. Yeah. Um, that that yeah, certainly I, I think that on a certain level, um and I and I think that when you get to things like uh, church discipline, that mm -hmm. it is certainly helpful when you have things like witnesses and like a consensus, right? Um and, and I think that if you look at our synod bylaws, like there there are processes, right, that are not just like you know, and then like, you know, the president or the district president just unilaterally decides something, right? Well, like, take it out of just to leave it in the congregation, right? And then right. you follow Matthew 18 and right. and it's never, the pastor never has the authority just to excommunicate fully, completely, right? They might be working with somebody as as an overseer of the mysteries of, of, the, of the Lord's Supper and saying, brother, this is, you know, we know <laughs> between you and me, we know you're in open and unrepentant sin of this. It, it would be inappropriate for you at this time to receive the Lord's Supper. We need to continue to work on your call to repentance. And right, they, there might be something like that, but the actual formal excommunication, the pastor doesn't do that alone, um, and it is within only the the full uh, structure of of 
of the congregation. So the understanding of having, you know, the question gets back at the heart of having elders. And, and I do believe um, that in our structure of, of the LCMS, of having elders is such a, a vital role within the life of the congregation to be raising up uh, men of the congregation who will be turned to for direction and leadership in spiritual matters. But usually, and I think it's the best structure that the elders, you know, are are not the leaders of everything. You know, if you have a school, if you have other missions and ministries, if you've got some uh, stewardships, that that you maybe have a stewardship board, that the elders aren't the most wise in every role, uh, but they have the spiritual concerns of the church and budget goes through someone else who maybe have other gifts uh, than just the board of elders. Uh, right, right. No, no, there, there is, there's certainly a lot of value in, in having these different, you know, I mean, like, and I think a lot of congregations have like multiple boards, right? So there'll be a board that kind of, you know, deals with things that might be related to worship, one that maybe kind of looks at the financials more, right? right. And the elders have varying different responsibilities. So it keeps the uh, yeah, word very but, clean, right? So that yeah. when the pastor yeah. speaks, they should be speaking something that's clearly in God's word. And the pastor maybe has to be quiet and sometimes a little painfully when it's not clear what is the word of the Lord here because it's, it is an open question about the, the life of the church and how they're interrelating in some things that's not a very clear word. Right. Yeah, right, right. right. So, so that's, I think, I think that's fair. And I think that, yeah. you know, you can easily have like a whole series just on talking about, cause this is really getting, getting, I mean, at the heart of the question, um, you also have to deal with the office of the of the keys itself, right? Like, what right. is actually the authority of a pastor? And we just we definitely don't have time to get into all the nuances of that. But right, I mean, there is there is the tension that like the man himself, right? It's not that he necessarily is like the executive, but you know, again, like there is that whole idea of you know whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So. It, there are certain moments where yeah, the pastor needs to like decide something, and what he says. Um, yeah, is is effective, and and that's and that's what it is. Not because of the man that he is, but because of the man he represents, who is actually the king, right? So there there is that truly executive sense when you deal with the Lord Jesus Himself. So there's there's a, there's a tension, and you could spend like I was saying, like a whole series sure. just trying to work out exactly you know, how how is that like when the rubber hits the road. But very very good question. Thank you for the. Let's email. get back to the congregation of uh, yeah, yes, <laughs> Joshua. That's right. That's 20. right. Let me go ahead and read. Uh, verses seven, uh, just to the end here, and just uh, there's a few things that get brought up because of this particular list of cities. That's that's just useful for um, and interesting on a couple levels here. So verse seven, though. So they set apart Kadesh and Galilee in the hill country of Naphtali, and Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim, and Kiriath Arba, that's Hebron, in the hill country of Judah, and beyond the Jordan east of Jericho, they appointed Bazer in the wilderness on the tableland from the tribe of Reuben, and Ramoth and Gilead from the tribe of Gad, and Golan and Bashan from the tribe of Manasseh. These were the cities designated for all the people of Israel and for the stranger sojourning among them, so that anyone who killed a person without intent could flee there, so that he might not die by the hand of the avenger of blood till he stood before the congregation. Right, so like a few things that, that, that really jump out at you, and, and maybe this is the one point that we'll just have to kind of focus on here, not being much time left. Uh, it's interesting. Look at these cities. 
Well, these are, in fact, the cities that we see in chapter 21 that are allotted to the Levites, right? So that's very interesting, I find, because, oh, hey, look, um, you're not just going to the elders in the congregation of any city. You're taking your case to a Levite city, right? Which right. I which I think is, uh, that's pretty interesting because, I mean, like one, uh, like you were saying, you know, these aren't, these aren't fools. Well, no, these are the guys who dedicate themselves to studying the scriptures, right? So, okay, wow. So they're going to be really well-versed in everything in, in the five books of Moses. So, okay, these are exactly the guys you want to be handling these cases. Um, and then second of all, right, um, y- you can't, like, if you're from the tribe of Reuben, you, you flee to the Reub- Reubenite city and you're like, oh, well, you know, they'll, they'll have pity on me because, you know, after all, I just killed the Judite, right? And so that's no big deal and they'll agree with me. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> these guys are, these are unbiased. These guys have no, they literally have no territory, right? Like, they they are the Levites. They are set apart. They are a class apart, and they're going to be unbiased arbiters and very wise ones um, in the, this is a very important matter. Right. Their bias is how serious they're taking the fact of offense because their whole life is around making sure that the people of God are remembering God's word, so they're preaching it, they're teaching it, and assisting. Uh, in the high priestly role of atoning. And that to hear the fact of the death of the high priest, I mean, there's just so much that connects us to the very person of Christ who is our refuge, that we can run to him, that we can flee to him, that in the, within his body we have refuge. Outside of his body there's judgment. After the death of the priest we are let go. I mean, that's just... Um, yeah, if we can't see Jesus all around here in typology and maybe or uh, in a homiletical plot that we would draw out and draw and right. connect to the people. It's uh, it's quite distinct. A- Amen. That's that's exactly the, the thought I was hoping we we would reach to by way of conclusion here. So uh, thank you so much, brother. Got into a lot of good stuff. Thanks for the question again. And yeah, looking forward to having you on real soon. Amen. See you soon. All right, everybody, that was Pastor John Shank, pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Edwardsville, Illinois, uh, concluding, wrapping us up with that idea of the, the high priest, right? When, when no one can make atonement for this, right, wouldn't be right to kill the guy who accidentally killed. Only the high priest actually brings atonement. Only Jesus brings us atonement and release. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Until next time, peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.